Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Matt Johnson. Welcome to the latest edition of the Team Building Podcast. This is another edition of the Operations Manager specific episode. And uh, so that means we have our Operations Manager for our flagship office as well as our expansion offices around the country. Kevin McGowan with us today. Kevin, what's up, man? Hey, Matt. How are you? Good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so if anybody is uh, listening to the replay here on whether it's on YouTube or whatever, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube uh, channel. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. That way you get the future episodes. And uh, we're going to be talking about people, number tracking, and uh, overlapping roles uh, with the intention of setting up systems that really bring deals to close and expose uh, the, um, the gaps in, in the skill sets and the, uh, the job descriptions of your staff, both admin and your agents. So we're going to dive really, really deep into the operations side. So if you're a mega agent, this episode is perfect for your operations manager or the person that's in your business that's responsible for operations. If that's you, take your sales hat off and let's put the operations uh, hat on. And uh, let's welcome our special guest. We've got Chris Hong with us today. Chris, what's up, man? Hey, guys. What's up? Not much. So, uh, so well, let's start with Kevin. Kevin, you want to give uh, just a the brief overview of kind of where what you do and where you kind of sit in in uh, the team scru- the structure and stuff for uh, Jeff Cohn's team? Yep, absolutely. So, um, being the operations manager means that um, what I do in short, uh, kind of on my day-to-day basis, is I manage and oversee our admin staff, which is two transaction coordinators, client care coordinator, marketing assistant, um, showing assistants, roles like that, um, basically everything outside of our sales force. Um, and <clears throat> I oversee uh, the marketing and uh, a lot of the finance and all that good background stuff that keeps the, our flagship Omaha team up and running, a lot of numbers tracking, ROI on lead sources and, and where we place our money in the, in the best spot possible. So I do that for our Omaha flagship team and I also do that in uh, certain areas with all of our expansion teams across the country as well. Very cool. And Chris, you're, you have that same background but you've also moved into a consulting role, right? So give us kind of an, an overview of what you do, what, what you've been done in the past and when, what you're uh, doing now with your consulting. Correct. So I currently hold the director of operations role for a team here in Las Vegas uh, that's expanding. And so they kind of brought me in the last couple months to focus on cleaning up their systems so that they can start expanding into other markets. Um, They did this because I was advertising myself as a consultant uh, to multiple teams throughout Vegas and actually some other states now is happening. And uh, exact same thing, um, but not full-time. I'm, I'm, I'm aiming towards those teams that can't afford Kevin, <laughs> that are just one a couple of hours at a time to say, okay, where do we start and let's see if we can manage it on our own. So focusing on, on internal systems, numbers tracking, all that. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's, there's definitely a room in this whole like team building ecosystem for that position because uh, until you have like Kevin, you started as uh, almost like a marketing assistant, which is how Jeff kind of justified it. Uh, was Jeff charging broker fees back then, by the way? I've never asked that before. Uh, he really actually didn't start broker fees until I came into the picture, until because okay. uh, he did have one TC that he was paying out of pocket for, but then yeah. I was really his first hire into building the team, and then that's when we started charging charging broker fees. But yeah, I was 
I was a, just a marketing assistant. In fact, I started so low level, I was actually just the person taking pictures for our new listings. And then everything just kind of grew and developed and expanded from there. Yeah, which is awesome. All right, so Chris, you're essentially not only holding the role, but you're also consulting and, and available to other teams. So I want to make sure before we dive in that people know exactly how to reach out to you and take a step towards you if they need someone that does what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my company is My Admin Hero. I think it suits. And uh, my email is Christopher at MyAdminHero.com. Um, I stay pretty busy, so I, I, I'll, I'll definitely respond. I have a respond in 24-hour policy, and I'll, I'll help as much as I can with the time that I have. Well, good, because when in consulting, when you're busy, it means you're good. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's dive in. So, uh, so Chris, first of all, I start with you. So you you've been you've done this for multiple teams. You're doing it for a team now. So you hold this role, this director of operations role. So, what's your biggest challenge, especially when you start working with a new team and you're kind of just like all you have is just this wild, wild west of like a bunch of there's salespeople running around and there's uh, uh, there's probably there's there's like chicken and cats. Like you're trying to herd chicken and cats together. So what's uh, what's your biggest challenge uh, in your role? I think when I when I first come into a team, so many team leaders think, oh, I've given them a title, and now they know what to do with it. And so many different team members just think different. We're we're, we're humans, and we all, I mean, there's just a vast option of thoughts there. So generally when I first come in, I say, okay, no, they need to know. Where does their job start? Where does it end? And as a team, let's help each other out. So I really focus on getting detailed job descriptions. Um, not necessarily they need to follow be followed to the T, but you have staff that's coming in. You have transaction coordinators and runners and receptionists, and they just want to know what their role is. There's, yeah. And that's the same with the agents. Where does it start? Where does it end? And what do we expect from them? So many of the okay. teams have agents that you know, come and go as they please and say, okay, I was never told anything different. Yeah, yeah, which is which is typical. Yeah, and that and that's a personality thing. We'll talk about that yep. when we get to like overlapping roles. I and mean, there's a lot of responsibility issues that that gets into. But let's. Uh, so first of all, you're kind of in the information gathering stage. You're gathering job descriptions, roles, expectations, etc. So that's the people side. Now, what about the system side? What do you look at, or what are your big challenges, just in, in purely in terms of the systems? On the system side, it's definitely a where does it start? Where does it stop? How does it get from one person to another with all the information involved. So, you know, we're just talking about JotForm. It's yep. a free program, J-O-T-F-O-R-M.com, that allows you to create these online fillable forms, super easy to use, and with agents being so mobile and with our industry being so mobile now, it's fantastic. They can do it from their laptops, their cell phones, it doesn't matter where. And it gathers all the information from the agent, gets it to the transaction coordinator or the next person in the office so that they can start their process. Um, with the you know, details of going into the systems, you're always going to have some sort of transaction management software. And when you start putting that transaction in, there's going to be a lot of questions that just doesn't come along with the purchase agreement. You need yeah. contact information and details of the contracts. So the agents can fill that in, submit it, and now the TC has everything they need to put into their system and start their action plans. Kevin, what's your perspective on that? How do you cope with that problem? Yeah, um, we do that with a little bit more of um, our TC's actual role. Um, you know, in terms of like software, we have Dot Loop, um, so everything just gets uploaded that uh, shared with our transaction coordinators, so they're literally all in the same loop, um, and then that's how uh, our forms are submitted over. Um, and then it's our TC's role to 
kind of scour through that paperwork, pull out the information that um, they need to, you know, uh, coordinate with lenders, title companies, home inspection companies, and so on. Um, but then uh, another little piece of software that we use is uh, really just a, a simple uh, Google Forms, uh, uh, I guess, a sheet that is filled out. So it's really almost just kind of like taking a survey. If you've ever built a survey, this is pretty much the same thing, um, which is really nice because it's the exact same kind of form that I'm sure Chris, is, Chris has used. But uh, it's just the information that I need that my TCs will send over to me. Um, I get an email as soon as they submit it over, so I know it comes in. And then I have the metrics in place that I need to track as well. Gotcha. Anything, uh, anything interesting that you guys have seen where you're like, okay, <clears throat> here's here's what they are submitting. Here's the information that the TCs are getting. Now here are you know two or three extra bits that really make a big difference in how the TCs do their job that they're not collecting right now. Uh, yeah, I would say if it, if it supplies is relevant information. I think mm -hmm. that the buyers agents will say, okay, here's my file, and they'll provide a pre-approval letter on an old lender. And so we start contacting, you know, our TC starts contacting that lender and finds out, oh, wrong person. <laughs> Nobody knows who it is. Okay. And so having that relevant information is kind of a key part of that form that gets submitted. Okay. Um, it also starts, you know, with the JOT form, you can have it be sent to anybody, just like the, the Google forms. And it starts multiple roles going. Our accounting department knows that that transaction's been open and we can expect that income. Uh, RTC gets the notification to start that process. I can over I get that same sheet. It takes me a couple seconds to review it, and I can either address issues with the buyer's agents of maybe how they started that transaction. Um, I you know I follow clients and I know okay they have opened. I can kind of mentally check that off my list. So just being a everyone being aware at once is kind of the key part of that. And Kevin, it sounds like you have a key transaction coordinator on your team that is able to kind of take some of that mental burden off of you, right? They're, they're doing some of that, like the review work that Chris is still doing. You've got somebody that's handling that for you, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. We have two TCs specific to the buy side and the list side. Um, you know, they, they, um, we track different pieces of information depending on what side of the business it is. Um, and so they know and they kind of have their own checklist and, and they understand the expectations of the kind of information that I'm looking to track. And so They'll, they'll hunt a lot of that down for me up front, which is really nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's dive into the, just real quick on the, the contract to close side, Chris, because you mentioned something before we went on, uh, we started recording that was I found really interesting, which is that you feel really strongly that agents need to be involved at certain key points during that contract to close period. So bring bring the listener up to speed on what those points are and, and why you've kind of come to that conclusion. Gotcha. Yeah, I think there's there can be a, a big misconception of what exactly that TC role is meant to be. I, When I come into a team and I individually sit down with everyone, I let them know, hey, look, if that deal doesn't close, well, there's no longer salary to pay you, the admin. And I sit down with the agent and say, if that deal doesn't close, you don't get commission. So to say, oh, it's so-and-so's job, you have to be constantly involved, whether you do the physical activity or not. So when that file gets passed over to the TC, and eventually that task pops up in their system that says, hey, the appraisal should be happening. They're notifying the agent or asking the lender what the status is. As soon as that appraisal comes in, the agent needs to be involved. They need to be involved in anything that changes the terms of the contract. They've built that rapport with their client. And I'm, I'm an age, a licensed agent. I sell homes every year. And when I meet with my clients, it's more than just business. They, you build a personal connection with these people as you show them house after house after house. And 
you have that ability just to go in and say, hey, look, this is what the appraisal came in at. What do you want to do? And that happens same with the inspection res results. You know your client and what they expect to get from their home and what repairs are important to them. To push that off onto someone who, yes, may have called and made an introductory call, just not the same. And your clients won't think so either. We've done lots of surveys with our clients, um, especially the good ones, the good clients of ours that know us, like us, and trust us, and mm -hmm. said, where do you feel a disconnect? And it was, well, I understand the role. We're very prominent about explaining everyone has their position and everyone fills a certain role it's because it's what they're good at. But they also have that report that just you can't build via email and phone call. So yeah. appraisal, inspection results, and any extensions. Okay. And then are, are your TCs licensed or unlicensed? Licensed. We do everything we can to make sure they're licensed. Um, I was mentioning earlier, in fact, the greater Las Vegas area is taking away that option and saying, if you have a TC in your office or an assistant, they need to be licensed. And Kevin, you made reference before we started recording that you feel like, is that something that you're seeing going around all over the country? Uh, with it being licensed or not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, it's good, more of speculation, I guess you could say. Uh, but yeah, I, I, could see, I could see that probably expanding because, you know, there, there's just a lot of crossover and maybe even you can call gray area between, you know, if you had a, an unlicensed um, assistant, you know, I mean, they need to know details of transactions and things like that in order to do their jobs well, right? Well, uh, it's those exact details that could possibly get them in some trouble. You know, you've got the people going around making fake phone calls and asking for specific information on and on real property and stuff. And you know, as soon as they start talking about that, you get slapped with a huge fine. Um, so, I mean, and and it might be more of a pain, you know, like in the state of Nevada uh, with with Chris. But I think um, it would probably just be a, a lot safer for everybody involved. Um, you know, we have of our two TCs, one is licensed and one is not, and and uh, we're encouraging, and she is, is going along with studying to get her license just to re reduce the liability that could potentially come around from that. So, gotcha. okay. Actually, may I add, you, when you start a transaction, it's never the ones that go smoothly that you have problems with. It's, oh, yeah. never, it's always the ones where so-and-so told me this and it wasn't true. And so yeah. just eliminating that whole factor, I, I just don't see another option for it. Right, and just to just to build on what Chris was saying, kind of with the the relationship of you know between the agent, the client, and the transaction coordinator, um, couldn't couldn't agree anymore in terms of you know it's it's really the agent that is building that rapport and that relationship uh, with that client, and therefore ending up getting more repeat business after you close, and you just want to kind of keep that going, especially through the big points of of the transaction. There's of course the offer writing, and then the inspection negotiation. If things you know went wrong with the appraisal and the appraisal low. They need to know that their agents in their corner form and, and, and handling their business and and that's that's really the those key relationship building points alongside the transaction um, and then uh, you know to kind of circle back around to uh, whose responsibility is it from contract to close um, you know we train our agents that the they're really the managers and the overseers of everything in the end they are 100% responsible for everything that happens uh, you know even if like a listing goes live for example and there's a, a an incorrect or missing piece of information on the MLS, it's the agent's fault. It's still not even the transaction coordinator's fault because they still need to be having that oversight and making sure that everything is exactly to their specifications and the, the TC is there just to kind of help facilitate along the way. Yeah, and that, that seems like that's that a part of what you do, Chris, is kind of preach that overall philosophy of just 
responsibility. So I'm curious, kind of like explain kind of your concept of like the overlapping roles. And what I really want to dive into is how, how do you balance? So you're going into a team environment, and one of the things that you're doing is kind of systematizing the the different roles and responsibilities. But then you still want people to take responsibility for the overall outcome and do be willing to do the things that are necessary to make sure that it just succeeds rather than just their little pieces done correctly. So like, how do you balance that? Like what's, what's that like when you're going in, into a team and having that, having that discussion and trying to get that point across to people that would rather just say, I did my job. I have blinders on. If anything else that happens outside of me that goes wrong, it's not my fault because I did my thing. I think, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I sit down with each individual person, and I don't tell that person that I told the other person the same thing, and just let them know it. It's, it's a. A lot of these people are being on a team because they like to work with others, or maybe they don't like to work alone. And I try and play on that fact. Um, okay. I always review every team member's, um, you know, personality assessment to see exactly how they communicate best. Um, I think they're really important, and. I use that to most effectively communicate to every team member about this is a team, and it's. I think everybody's willing to make a meal and take it to someone when they're sick. Why won't? Why don't we do that in business? Why isn't a? Oh, they sent me an email. I should reply to this, and I should let them know I'm on it. And I also let them know if you don't get a response, it's not. Oh, I sent an email. Oh, I, I left them a message. This is your role until someone else says it's done, and you can confirm that it's done. And so. I, I, I'm very firm. I'm very firm with every team member saying, if they don't show up for work one day, you're now in charge of this. You better be paying attention. We all have sick days. We all have vacations. We all have life. And there's, there's no difference there in business and in your personal life. Right, exactly. It's, I think there's a lot of, you know, kind of helping them get to the, to the mental state where they realize that they are business owners. And we have hired assistants for them, you know, which is the perk and the benefit, obviously. But it's not just, uh, oh, well, just because you hired him, him or her to, you know, help transaction coordination that, you know, I'm out of it from there. It's literally you are the manager and the overseer, like I was saying before. And, you know, I think Chris brings up a good point where if we have a transaction coordinator that's sick, uh, you know, I mean, a deal can't just fall flat and nothing happens until that person comes back. They still need to, you know, be in the loop in terms of, uh, where it's at and so that they can pick up where somebody left off if they're sick or on vacation or whatever that might be. Um, the, kind of the nice thing about having two TCs, if you have a big enough team and a need for it, is that they can back each other up and you cross-train them, um, which, is, which is pretty nice too. But yeah, they just have to understand they're business owners and they have to oversee and still run their business, but they have a lot of aid and help along the way. Very cool. All right, so let's uh, let's dive into the systems aspect. We talked about the people aspect a lot. Let's dive into the systems now a little bit. Uh, so, Chris, tell me a little bit about when you come. You know, you're working with a team, and you've got the roles and responsibilities. You've dealt with a little bit of the the people aspect, maybe. But what what about the systems, like the number tracking and the different things that you kind of look at to analyze? You know, what what are what are the strengths of this team? What are the weaknesses, and how do we shore those things up? Right. So, what are some of the things that you look for when you're kind of analyzing the systems of a team? I, so the the biggest thing when I walk in, a lot of I just always ask, okay, where, where do you need the help? That where do you feel you need the help? So many times I get the answer of I don't even know where to start. There are so many options. It's so overwhelming. I don't even know. And so I ask them always, are you are, do you track your numbers? Because that's going to show you where you're lacking. And so most of the time it's no. 
And so we go back to, okay, the systems that are in place should help you track that number. What is the lead to conversion, the conversion to contract, contract to close, and everything in between is you start pinpointing where the issues are. If you start seeing that your biggest issue is contract to close, there's something wrong in your TC system. There's something wrong in the communication there. And, I mean, it's just, brought, you know, it's all numbers. You go even look at the budget. If you can't find out why you're not making money, most people don't even have a budget. So those two things, I think, are so, so important to be doing, and you just can't skip it. And, yeah, you can't, you can't skip it. So it's pretty much Excel, right, Google, um, I think it's Google Sheets, Sheets or Google Numbers. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, you just build out a column. And, you know, we have such a big network and industry in, in real estate that, I mean, I post on Facebook that I need something. I, I usually get something pretty good to start with. Um, use your resources and say, hey, how, are, how is everyone tracking your numbers? You'll get, you'll get some good results. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're really... Uh, it's just a it's a big pitfall you know I mean people just I understand not everybody's a numbers person and you know that's why we're employed and have jobs uh, yeah. But, but yeah you know I mean it's tracking your numbers I mean the the beautiful thing about numbers honestly is that they don't lie you know I mean you have start to finish right and if you're tracking all of your metrics in between there you can easily see you know the gaps of where you need improvement you know you just need to be good at you know uh, reporting those numbers, tracking them, and a lot of times that's where, say, like an accountability manager on a team really comes into play, um, because you know I can be the person crunching the numbers, but I need the numbers to crunch first, right? Um, and uh, what's really nice about uh, how we've set ourselves up is we have that success manager helping me track that down. But yeah, I mean, how many calls you're making each week to, how many people you're talking to, to how many appointments you're setting, and so on and so forth. And when you start tracking those say you have a really high uh, contact ratio but your appointments are really low well then you know you need to start working on your dialogue because you're great at getting people on the phone but you're just not good at closing for that appointment and then that's where they sit down with their success manager or dialogue coach or whoever you might have on your team um, you know that can provide that kind of information or if you if you're not on a team or you don't have those resources at hand you know there's a lot of places a lot of research that you can do where people are posting things um, and, and you can help you know just improve yourself on that but yeah um, and, and then along with the, you know, that's kind of on the agent side of things. Then you have, you know, what can you provide with numbers tracking for your team leader? A lot of times it's the team leader or, you know, if you have marketing service agreements set up with people that are footing the bills for a lot of your lead generation sources, you know, so it's tracking all of your sales information. What lead sources are doing the best for us? What are we spending? How many leads are they generating? What's the conversion ratio for it? So you can really make solid business decisions on where to take your budget and help build a budget in the first case. But, um, you know, there's a lot of trial and error. You can fail fast with them. Give them six months apiece, and, you know, if they're not, you know, producing for you, you can cut that, but at least then you can know what is working for you and where you can make the best investment with your leads. Interesting. I was just going to add to, to Kevin's statement there and say, and let me know if you disagree, but we're not sitting here saying it's easy. It's painful. Oh, yeah. Getting the details, especially if you're not a numbers person, Getting those details and doing it is not easy. And if you are not doing any number tracking right now, break it down. Start somewhere. And just pick a number you're going to start tracking, and you'll be surprised at how quickly the other numbers start coming. So it's, we're not sitting here saying it's easy, and it, you know, we've been doing this a long time, and 
we have a lot of people who still aren't doing it. So yeah, absolutely. Let's ask you that, Chris, on, on the teams that you're on or involved in, <clears throat> uh, since they most likely did not have that success manager role, whose entire job was to coach the agents, and in the process of that job, he collects all the numbers, right? Uh, and then enters them, and he actually enters them, in, in Andy's case, one on the team in Nebraska, he actually physically enters them in in front of them to make sure that they know, that he knows what they claim that they're doing, and then he's physically yeah. in It's funny. Uh, so, Chris, what, what's your perspective on that? Like, what's uh, what have you found that works for you guys on the teams that you've worked with in terms of getting the raw numbers that are actually right? Uh, at first, it takes a, just a lot of oversight. Um, I read once, and I, I don't know the reference at the moment, but they say that every manager shouldn't oversee more than five people because there is so much, uh, that lack of a better term, hounding that goes into collecting numbers and instilling of how important it is to those, those lead roles. You know, Kevin's talking about his success manager, and I'm sure it's been taken a while to get it to where his success manager knows it's important, and he's going to collect those numbers, and he's going to push his five people to get them his numbers because they're they're just yeah has to yeah I mean they're the driving force of the team and and the direction that it's going and you know where to best prospect from even you know so that you know your your highest lead conversion for a lead source for example you know but uh, yeah I mean just just prospecting I I love how it's a numbers game because it's very finite and tangible in terms of you know like I said earlier the numbers don't lie but you can just backtrack them and you can really set yourself up, especially as a success manager, to lead an agent down the right path for them. You know, I mean, it, that path might be different from agent to agent, but as you kind of get to know their personalities and their styles of prospecting as well as their numbers, you can really pair those up and, and set them down a good course to be the most successful that they can in this business. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so uh, Chris, let me throw a, a couple of, uh, not curveball questions, but uh, <laughs> just uh, like maybe personal curiosity questions. So, uh, like you mentioned, some resources and uh, and reaching out to people, and, and there's different groups and stuff like that. So, first of all, where's uh, if you let's say you needed something like okay, I, I want like a number tracking template of some kind. Like, what's what's the first place that you would look for? Or maybe what what are some resources that are available to the public in general or other operations directors that you'd recommend? Um, oh, that's kind of difficult. I've been doing this a while, and I've kind of gotten a good internal source going where. I can ask some some major teams, and you know you're constantly adding to that, which is why networking in this industry is so important, uh, regardless of how social you are. But uh, Facebook is a big is a big one. Um, you're you're always going to be friends with people that are in your industry on Facebook, and it's just an, a great opportunity. Um, my different offices have you know Facebook group pages where you can just post directly to agents in your office. Honestly, just look at someone who's doing production or someone who's talking about it a lot and and go out and ask. Um, there's really no one source. You kind of have to just look around. I mean, I just think everybody in the industry probably knows the team leader or someone who can help them. And and brokers or team leaders of your offices, your real estate offices. But there's no, is there no Facebook groups out there that kind of caters towards the operations side? Is it all just mainly aimed at salespeople and the agents themselves? There are, you know, I can't think of any off the top of my head, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, outside of our our ERS Facebook page, where people are definitely encouraged to ask any questions that they want, whether it's high or low level. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think 
it would be in a very small minority. I have not really seen very much out there. It's, yeah, it's mostly that. catered towards agents and team leaders. Um, you know, just kind of asking more of the big picture, broad questions, but not. Yeah. It's it's hard to you know yeah. just quickly ask a question about an implementation of something because, I mean, unless you want to be you know writing a book on Facebook about how to do it, you know, it's just more of like that should be done in in a call like this or, or something like that, but. Not to say that you know you can't get some good scratch the surface stuff out there too, but yeah, I think yeah. probably kind of just my asking for like marketing plans and and stuff like that. You know, just sales materials, marketing materials. I don't see a lot of people asking for stuff on the operations side of things. Yeah. Uh, so I was curious if maybe there's like, like a whole little ecosystem on Facebook that I'm not aware of, but apparently not. Um, okay, so Chris, what are some other uh, resources in terms of maybe books that you that you've encountered or certain people that have expertise that you, that has really impacted your approach? Anything like that that you'd recommend to other ops uh, directors? Yeah, there's some good opportunities for uh, the staff. I always have had my staff and admin and sales agents be involved in some sort of book. A lot of there's some people that don't like to read, and <laughs> you just kind of have to press them or give them the summary or the overview. Um, there's, uh, gosh, Four Hour Work Week and Eat That Frog and um, so many of the John Maxwell books that are really helpful. I just start. There's so many out there. Just pick one. Pick one a month and and start. But shoot, no, not off the top of my head. Yeah, nothing that's really impacted you on the system side. So this is kind of stuff. I mean, it sounds like you've you really dived in and maybe have the personality that just that gravitates and can really understand that at a conceptual level, uh, and then you just worked at it and just got really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Uh, and then there was one last thing I wanted to get into, which is just kind of the me uh, the mechanics of the of the role that you guys find yourself in in terms of like operations manager, or director of operations, where you're dealing with a mega agent who's a certain personality type. You are not that personality type. And Chris, you mentioned before we uh, we started recording that one of your key roles is is heavy duty research on implementation, something to implement, something, whether it's a new CRM system, a lead tracking system, you mentioned like, you know, going and trying to find a spreadsheet to start off with so you can start tracking your numbers and all this stuff. So I guess what I'm curious about is when you go to present something, you've come to a conclusion, you have a recommendation, how do you present that to someone that's super impatient, has no time, mentally is already like out the door and doing five other things, or is tempted to like check like they're they, they want to talk to you and check their like you know they're doing this on their phone all the time catching up on email and all catching that stuff while you're talking exactly so uh, so how do you go about you know kind of getting getting some time with them where you can actually get them to sit down pay attention and present your idea in a way that they will actually receive it and make a decision. So when you're in in my current role as director of operations, when you're working with an individual and you're a little bit more comfortable with them, there's times when I walk in and go, okay, give me your cell phone because that's one, the first direction, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it until this conversation is over. Uh, with a cons and it, that yeah. is awesome. It's like, it's like high school kids. You have to check them at the door or something. Kind of right. Yeah, let me pat you down real quick. Okay. So, <laughs> and a flashing light. Uh, so it's you know, meeting in a room without computers, making sure you, you – it really is that. And in, in that role, they kind of just want you to do it. And so you have to be short, concise, you know, talk about the, the big issue and how you're going to solve it and not be asked so many questions. When I am looking at a consultant level, it's a little bit different. They've made a decision that there's a problem and they've asked for my help. And so they're a little bit more willing to listen. Mm. And I will let them know where the problem stands and let them know who I need to be talking to 
and I just make that happen. So when you're talking about just team leader roles in, in general as a director of operations or director of administration or office manager, knowing who you're working with and saying, okay, here's the problem, here's what I'm going to do to fix it, that goes to the team leader. I'm going to go to so-and-so who's, who's responsible for this and make it happen. Um, and just taking responsibility. It, it's difficult, but uh, letting them know it's only going to make their life better usually catches their attention. Mm-hmm. Or that they're going to get an invoice from me whether they listen or not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Meter's running. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's always an interesting uh, task, I guess you could say, you know, having more of the SC personalities working with the DIs of the world. Um, you know, I've come to find that DIs really do like brainstorming sessions because they, they like the ideas and, and just, you know, where do we take it from here? What's the next best thing? You know, all that kind of stuff. So if you can just sit down for an hour and get a lot of good brainstorming in, you know, you're the one kind of taking the notes and, you know, kind of just needing to know how we're going to implement this just to get the result because they're just results driven. They just want to know, this is what I want to do and this is the result I want from it, you know, and obviously we have to fill in all the gaps in between there. So, um, you know, and I, li- I like to do a lot of brainstorming even outside of the office. You know, I think just changing your environment, um, you know, even for me personally, it just kind of helps me think a little bit better sometimes, you know. Um, and, and that's what we've done a lot in terms of our systems build out and, and you know, how we've accomplished, um, you know, uh, satisfying the needs of, you know, what we needed for our team to grow bigger and, you know, be more exact and precise. Brainstorming and then it's working on it and then you maybe check in once a week with your team leader uh, just to, you know, kind of see how what the progress is and, make little tweaks along the way, things like that. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Cause that's, I mean, just, I, I end up, I end up having to like bridge both roles a lot. Uh, I mean, Kevin, so we're, I mean, we, we both work with Jeff Cohn, um, even though I'm a, a DI myself because Jeff is, you know, the, the senior DI uh, and the driving force behind elite real estate systems. I end up like we, you, Kevin, and I are both in that same position. Uh, we're both the ones that are like furiously taking notes. We're yeah. all brainstorming. And, uh, and then both of us have our responsibilities for pulling off projects and stuff like that. And so I get to see it from that end and from the end of like having this other business over here where I'm relying on other people to be that person and I get to be the DI. Right. Uh, it's interesting. Um, it, it's so helpful. Like when, if you're in that position as a DI to have been in the position where you're the one that actually has to do this stuff, because right. then you get a sense of where the potential breakdowns are where the, especially the communication breakdowns. And Chris, you mentioned that, like we talked about, uh, you know, what are the things that trigger the next step in the process? Like that's a huge problem in systems is, you know, just people triggering the next step in the action with the right form and the, and the right information that people need to have. Uh, like once you, if you're in that role where you have to make those decisions and you have to set up the system correctly, it's a lot easier to then go into that role as a DI and brainstorm like the right way. Cause then you understand where, what it really takes to get projects done. So um, it, it's helpful to have both sides, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's nice to be the, the DI that just gets to sit back and brainstorm and declare the stuff be done. But the better you understand how people actually work, the more effectively you're actually able to set goals that are realistic, that your people can meet. That's super, super important. Right. Yeah, I, I'd like to, you know, kind of talk about that, that, that high D elephant in the room, talking to the high S's directly right now, which is the DIs are going to ramble off ideas. Like, you know, they were just saying, you know, I'd let's sit back and, and throw out those ideas. That doesn't mean that D expects them to all be done at once. Maybe he does a little bit in the back of his mind. I want all these done tomorrow. It always happens. 
pin them down, right. Yeah. But if yeah, you also really, give exactly. them a, an opportunity to say, okay, this is what I'm working on right now. This is my ability to accomplish this this week. This is what I'm going to work on next week. They don't want everything done at once necessarily. They just want to know that you haven't forgotten about it, that you've taken yeah. what they've said as important. So um, getting detailed is... And, and I, in the right order. Because yes, the order well, of things is constantly shifting, right? Absolutely. So that, that's something that I deal with is, look, when I tell you something is important, like, like it's that's a very natural thing for, for a DI to do is like, hey, all right, uh, let's make this a priority. And like we're relying on the person that's that's in the operations part to come back and say, okay, but last week you said this was the number one important. Now, really, which is it? Okay, and then you got to sit back and go, okay, well, the thing I said was the most important last week is, is still most important. This is number two. This is number three. This is number four. Like we want to have that security of knowing that you have the to-do list and you're, based on what I'm telling you, you're correctly putting things in priority so that the, you know, I don't come back two weeks later and say, hey, do we get this super important thing done? And you're like, no, I didn't even work on that. That's at the bottom of my list because you just gave it to me last week. So that's what we're looking to, like that's what the DIs are looking to avoid. That Like that's the worst thing in the world is to say, look, this is super important. Here's how to do it. And then they go two weeks later, they're like, yeah, I got stuck at this point. And we haven't made any progress since then. You just want to blow your brains out. So <laughs> adding a system that you can specifically use is Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. It's a project management software. Uh, it's very simple to use. It's for the high Ds and the high Ss at the same time, which is I start off by saying, okay, here's – once you log into the program, again, it's pretty simple, but you can create a do or to-do column and say, Throw your ideas in there. When we meet and you start th saying ideas, I start plugging them in. I just start creating what they call a card for every single thought that you throw out there. At the end of the meeting, I say, okay, great. Now, how am I arranging these in high priority to low priority? Um, I've, when you get a larger team, you also start categorizing those into different parts of the business. So I start categorizing them on, okay, what's marketing? What's lead conversion? What's transaction coordination? What's internal systems? What's financial? and say, I can only do one of these at a time. When you start talking about a, a number tracking, you can't do all five numbers at once. You have to start somewhere. And so when I started using that software and letting my, my high Ds log into it and move those cards as they thought each morning, it helped them to know that I haven't forgotten about it. They knew exactly what I was working on because it's very clear. And you can also put notes in there of exactly where the roadblocks are at. And even though you're not verbally communicating maybe some road bumps, by plugging your notes in and saying, ah, oh, I had a problem with this, I find so often that my high D is like, oh, why don't you try this, right? More minds on a project, the better. And so without me having to admit that I may be having a roadblock, I can get help. And a super simple system to use, and I just list it. I do, doing, done. I move cars into the doing section. He knows that I'm working on them. He knows that I'm still tackling the same priority from last week. Real, real, real simple system to use. And I, I just awesome. break the, the team down and say, okay, if we have a marketing department, you have marketing. TC, TC. Very cool. Kevin, I don't think uh, we haven't dabbled into, uh, like I use it all the time with like managing the podcast and the guest booking, and then I use it internally with with my staff to coordinate like special projects and stuff because Trello is amazing like you can upload stuff to it it's it's almost it's uh, it incorporates with Google Drive you can use IFTTT and you can actually integrate it with your email so you can set consistent to do's or reminders or whatever through Trello 
Um, we haven't used that like internally with elite real estate systems between the four of us to like manage right. all the projects. That might not be a bad idea to uh, break that up into the sections of the business and just yeah. kind of keep that open for our management meeting. So that's, I agree. Uh, do that, Chris. That bad idea alone is worth this entire podcast. So yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Cool. All right. So Chris, remind uh, people again how they can get in contact with you if they want to potentially uh, at least reach out and make contact or potentially work with you. Absolutely. So just email is always best. Um, I kind of time block out my day every day, every morning to say, okay, here's when I'm going to reply to email. So that's always best. Uh, Christopher at myadminhero, M-Y-A-D-M-I-N, hero, H-E-R-O. And uh, that's the best way. Obviously, you can call me, no promises, 702-249-1183. And I'd be happy to talk to anyone who needs help or provide those spreadsheets that I mentioned earlier or uh, whatever I can do to help. Very cool. And then, uh, Kevin, so if somebody wants to network and, and mastermind with you, obviously, if you want to send referrals to us, that's, you're the best person to contact. Um, sure, yeah. But what's, what's the best way to reach you? Um, I, you know, I'm with Chris, too. I mean, I, I always have my email up in front of me all day, every day. So Kevin at EliteRealEstateSystems.com. Um, and I can almost guarantee I will get to your email a lot faster than I will voicemails. Um, or, you know, you can shoot me a text as well, uh, 402-301-1197. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, one one area that I would like to uh, recommend is uh, people going heading out to EliteRealEstateSystems.com. Uh, a, a, a nice new brand new workshop that we've added is one specifically for our admin roles, where you can fly out to Omaha and um, we have a team lead role, so you can go to a team building workshop. So if you're a team leader, you can come on out. But also we have a new brand new 12-hour workshop, custom catered just to admin staff from 8.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. They hang out with our flagship Omaha team and with me, and I literally walk you through all of our systems. You can see it all in action. You can spend time with our transaction coordinators, see how I interact with interact with our success manager um, as we do a lot together because he's the voice of the agents, I'm the voice of the admin, um, and obviously those roles need to be uh, pretty well in sync with each other. So I uh, just kind of wanted to throw that out there too. You can go to EliteRealEstateSystems.com and uh, go to our workshops page and uh, sign up, and, and uh, we do it once a month. Uh, it'll be on a Monday. You can experience a full team meeting, but then we'll also go through all the nuts and bolts of everything as well. Nice. Sign me up. <laughs> Perfect. Come on out. We'd love to have you. That'd be awesome. Very cool, guys. All right, and that's uh, I was good. that was the last thing I was going to mention, so you beat me to it, Kevin. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the, uh, the Team Building Podcast. If you're not already subscribed, make sure to do that. Uh, both on the YouTube to get the video versions and then head on over to iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe to the audio versions so you can uh, learn while you burn at the gym or uh, in the car on your way to and from appointments or the office or whatever uh, wherever you're going. So make sure to get the, uh, the future episodes, the past episodes. Every month we do one of these episodes that's specifically aimed at you, the operations or uh, directors or managers of some of the top teams around the country. So uh, these episodes are for you. Make sure to go back and listen to the previous ones uh, with guys like Michael Walters from the number one team in the state of Utah. That was the first one that came out. Uh, and so until then, and the next time around for next month, Kevin and Chris, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, thank man. you. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.